Hi, this is Jennifer Zeman, the host of The Food That Binds. Today, I'm joined by Sarah Pierre, the owner of Three Parks Wine in Atlanta, Georgia. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Could you please introduce yourself and spare no detail, assume that no one knows who you are, um, and, and just you know introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah. Uh, so my name is Sarah Pierre. I am the owner of Three Parks Wine Shop. Uh, and before Three Parks, I was managing restaurants. So um, I've, I've built my career just, you know, doing everything there is to do uh, in a restaurant, front of the house, we'll say front of the house. Um, so early 2000s, I worked for the Here to Restaurant Group. Um, so I was at uh, Twist in Phipps Plaza. Um, of course, there's uh, there's more stories behind before that, you know, the Applebee's and all of those things. You know? Right, but, right, right. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, in, in college, I started working. I started working at Twist uh, right when they opened, so it was a really fun um, scene stir kind of spot, um, especially as um, you know, a senior in college. So I just, I mean, you couldn't tell me anything working there. Um, you know, did you really come to Atlanta to go to college, or were I'm you from here? I grew up from here. here. Okay. Yeah, where'd you go to school? Morning. Um, so what, like high school, well, college when you were there oh. working at twist. Yeah. Yep. So I was at Georgia state. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So I lived right around the corner. I lived off the street. It was really convenient to get there. Um, and it was just kind of fun. I, I actually opened, um, Ted's Montana grill. Um, I don't know if it's still there on peach street. It may or may not be there. Get the um, best chili cheese fries. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And like I said, I don't even know if it's still there, but um, but it was great. I think it was like their second concept or something. And so I was like, let me go a little bit further down the street. Uh, and then I ended up finding twist and it was like, I think they had been open a couple of months when I, when I started. Um, and I loved it. Um, I think what I loved the most about that restaurant was the, the diversity in food. You know, it was a tapas restaurant. Um, chef Peter Kaiser was really talented, is still really talented. And, um, you know, it was like my first introduction to, to, you know, not to sushi, but to selling sushi, you know, and having to say, you know, the, the food in Japanese, um, selling sake, uh, was the, the peak of martini, uh, drinking days. So it was all about sex in the city, you know, so the cosmos and that. And that was a hot spot. I mean, twist was a hot spot. Yeah. 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 And then you eventually went to go work for Anquichano, no? I did. Yeah. So I actually left twist, Mm -hmm. moved to New York worked in New York for a couple of years. Um, I wanted to go to law school, uh, took my LSAT there, applied to some very, very prestigious schools that I did not get into. Um, and then, uh, and then I ended up just working in restaurants. Um, and right before I left, I worked for Danny Myers. So I worked at Mylino, his Italian concept mm-hmm. in the uh, Gramercy Park Hotel. So I left there and I was just like, it was time to leave New York. I, I, I was just like, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't even know anymore. I loved it. Um, but I couldn't kind of get like my traction, you know? So I was like, let me go back to Atlanta, um, figure out what I'm going to do. I really wanted to start my own business and I knew I couldn't do that in New York city Mm -hmm. or at the time I felt like I couldn't do that in New York. So moved back to Atlanta. And then that's when, um, I applied at Bacchanalia and she hired me. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that was really the start. I mean, I know I had read somewhere that when you were working with Danny Meyer, you really got into Italian wines and really plunged headfirst into that. I think it was Eater. Um, but, it, you know, coming here was when it became like full force. I feel like it's like so many of us who grew up in Atlanta, like I went and I lived in San Francisco for four years and then I came back here because there was a more viable career. <laughs> I think yeah. it's like very common, you know? Yeah, I think it's because we know, like, it's like you can't, you can't live in these like insanely expensive competitive cities. And then also mm-hmm. know that you just lived in a city where you could grow really quickly. It's affordable. Yes. Your mm-hmm. people are there. Your support system's there. You, you know? can drive to the grocery store and have a backyard and a, and a, and a washing machine. But, um, but I digress. So when you were with Anne was really when your Atlanta wine career started to take off. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and- at the time, um, we did not have a sommelier on the floor when I got the job. Uh, I think they had just left. I'm not really sure what happened, but was this Bacchanalia or Abattoir? Bacchanalia. Uh-huh. Bacchanalia. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't have a sommelier on the floor. So um, myself and the other floor manager were, we had to act as floor songs, you know? Whoa. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bacchanalia. That's a, that's a tall order. Yeah. Kind of known for p- tastings and pairings. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. It, was, yeah. Uh, it was challenging, but it also meant that I, um, I mean, I hit the ground running. I, I studied all day, all night. I mean, I, in between service, you know, from stocking the wine room to service, I'd just be studying wine books, just trying, you know, just like memorizing everything I could writing everything down. Um, so I, I gave myself a really quick crash course. Um, so I didn't make a total, uh, fool out of myself, um, which I'm sure I did, you know, but I'm, I'm pretty good at like, you know, winging it and kind of making it work. So it worked. Um, <laughs> good, good. It worked. <laughs> um, and we had a really strong staff at the time. Um, and I'm sure she always does, but at that time I felt like every, every employee that was there was just like really core and really strong. They'd worked there for a while. Um, so a lot of them can navigate the list on their own and then whatever they couldn't, I would supplement with, you know, whatever mm-hmm. I could do. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great. And I will say, I mean, a lot of being, um, you know, on the floor is it's mostly service too. So it's, you know, it is selling the wine, but a lot of it is service. And that part was easy because I had done wine service for so long. So um, it wasn't challenging to jump into that role. Um I would have been great. very intimidated, even yeah, as a I mean, food and wine hard. professional. I would have been, I mean, that is an intimidating role. So you it must be hard. very, you must be very ballsy or have a lot of chutzpah, as we do say. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true. I do. I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, there was, there was an opportunity to go next door at Abattoir. They had, um, I think they had maybe, uh, maybe they were just getting busier and they just needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christine Lasser was, um, you know, she was running the front of the house there and, uh, yeah, she just needed, she needed help. So I went two to three days a week there as the assistant manager. So, um, I was working with Christine on the floor and that was a ton of fun and very, very different than, than Bacchanalia. So it's like one or two days a week, I'd be at Bacchanalia or the Quinones room, which was the 10 course downstairs. And then the rest of the week I'd be at Abattoir, which is really fun and casual and, um, so I got best of both worlds. What made you make the jump to opening three parks wine? Yeah. So I ended up leaving the industry altogether. Hmm. Um, I think maybe while I was there, well, I think I was maybe the, the whole time I was working for that, that company, I was just running on adrenaline. You know, I don't, who knows? Um, but when I left, I was just like, okay, I think this is it. This is, I'm done. Um, 
the hours were really starting to kill me, like getting off uh, late. Um, I'm a morning person, so like, and I, I always have been, um, and it's, it, it just got really hard to get home at 1 a.m. Um, the lifestyle was uh, intense, you know, going out after work all the time. I kind of fell into that. Um, so it was just, it was just a lot. It was just, well, you know, I mean, it's restaurants. It was, I don't even have to say yeah. like, uh, maybe I, I took about a year off. I got a job working for a telecommunications company. I'd only been there for a few months. And then my friends called me and they're like, Hey, there's this opportunity. Um, a gentleman opened a wine shop and he's not really into it. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he opened it. He realized immediately that he did not like it. He was like, this is way too much for me. And then, and then he was like, do you know anyone who wants to buy it? So he asked my friends this, they reached out to me and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I did not know this. I thought you started it from jump. Oh, okay. I mean, it felt like it because no one knew <laughs> that it existed, you know? Right, so, yeah, right. Three Parks was established for at least six months before I bought it. At least, yeah. Um, so Bob Conquest named it Three Parks. So Grant Park, Ormond Park, and Glenwood Park. So we're centrally located between three parks. Yeah, it was a total turnkey operation. He, he pretty much reduced the inventory to the bare minimum. We ordered all of the wine right off the bat, you know, just kind of filled it with what we wanted to sell. And then that was it. And then I ran the store. And what year was this? 2013. 2013. Yeah, February 1st, 2013. And I mean, since then you've become, I mean, if there's any enophile in Atlanta, you know, that knows your stuff, I mean, you are a destination um, among many we're lucky to have. And you're also like, I mean, you're one of our only black female owned wine shops in Atlanta, unless I'm wrong. Um, do you, do you feel like that's a strength, um, for you in drawing customers or do you think that that's kind of a second thought? Um, you know, if you had asked me that a few years ago, I would have said it didn't make a difference. And then you asked me now and I'm like, no, it's a, it's a big deal. You know, it's a really big deal. Um, I, sometimes I just do, right. Like I'm just, I'm just working. I'm just creating. Um, and I'm not realizing what other people are thinking about this creation or this thing that I'm building. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I bought three parks, I knew I wanted to have a wine shop that was really comfortable that people wanted to go to people wanted to hang out. And like at the time there were only a few wine shops in the city and they were stuffy. And, you know, there was only one female owned wine shop. It was just a bunch of like dudes, a bunch of white dudes, you know, it was just like, nobody went to wine shops. So when I, or, a certain person went to wine shops. Right. Um, so yeah. So when, when we started, I was like, I've got to, I've got to figure out a way to get people in the door. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to treat it just like a restaurant. Um, and that was the very first thing I did. So I had music playing, I curated playlists. Um, and I had really fun tastings. We had like guests come, um, you, you know, like chefs were coming, like it was just a really cool place to hang out. Um, so I don't think I realized that I was doing anything besides just kind of creating a fun place for people to shop. Right. Like I didn't realize people were recognizing that three parks was this, this destination or, Whoa, there's only one black owned wine shop. And actually there was another one. She's in Avondale. Um, so a lot of people don't really like, because she's, what's that called? A purple corkscrew. Purple corkscrew. Yeah. She's great. And she actually opened before three parks. I think she's been open like 10 years. Wow. I didn't, I have never heard of it, which is really sad, which shows, also, something I was talking to Mike Jordan about, just how representation in Atlanta does not mirror the clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
there's not a lot of spaces for black people to be learning and drinking about wine. And again, I don't think I, I don't, I think because I've spent so much time in rooms that didn't look like me that I, 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 I didn't really always notice it until I got put in really uncomfortable and really like sad situations. Right. And then that's when I'm like, Oh, you know, like, uh, but outside of that, some, I was just like, I'm just going to work every day. I'm selling wine to people. I'm making friends. I'm, I'm building a community. Um, I'm giving back to my community, you know? So I, I just always had like a lot of purpose in that, but, but yeah, it wasn't until I'd be at like a wine auction or, you know, like an event and I'm the only black person out of like 400. I'm like, this is insane. Pure insanity. The industry is in a really interesting place, I think, today, the wine and rather the hospitality industry, where I feel like these old standards are not okay. I know that race is a huge issue, but I don't want to only talk about that. I do want to talk about kind of like we discussed in email, your origin story. Was there like a moment in your life that you knew that food and wine was going to be something that was more than a more than just something you enjoyed like it was going to be a career like this was like huh <laughs> you know this is an interesting place to be serving others and dealing with food and wine yeah yeah i it's it's crazy so i've always um i've always been obsessed with food i was little and i can remember my first my first like meal that I, that gave me like a feeling <laughs> you know perfect that's exactly what i'm looking for <laughs> yeah, yeah. um my aunt used to bring for every every party, every celebration, or really when we just came to visit, like anytime she saw me, she made sure that I got these these paella dishes. Like this, there was a Spanish restaurant. She she lives in New Jersey, lived in New Jersey, um, and there was this Spanish restaurant. Um, I want to say it was in New York, but I could be wrong. I don't actually know where she was getting the food from. But <laughs> and they had all these different kinds of paella, you know, it was like seafood paella, chicken paella, like the black paella, you know, the black rice paella, like all these different kinds. And she'd bring this whole spread and it's way more food than any of us could eat. Um, and I just remember just being like obsessed. I, I might've been six, five, six years old. And I'm telling people like paella. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> like, paella is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> okay, okay right. six-year-old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to eat my happy meal. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I, and it's never stopped till that day. Like I've, I've been very just obsessed with trying, trying different food, food of different cultures. Um, and things that, that excited my palate, things, you know, the basic chicken fingers and granted, I love macaroni and cheese, you know, but like a chicken finger, a burger, like they didn't excite me as much like a normal, a hot dog. Um, mm -hmm. I liked a meal, um, a very satisfying meal, a meal with a lot of flavors, um, um, like creativity. And uh, yeah. And, and I don't know, I knew I wanted to work in a restaurant because I was 14 and I got a, a job at a, a pizza place in, um, in North Cross. And I remember they only kept me for a week or two they're like you know <laughs> that's, um, and it's funny because dad i think dagwood pizza it's still there um, oh my god yeah it is yeah <laughs> that was my very first job 14 years old um and yeah they fired me right away um like gently fired me because yes like maybe this uh, isn't the career path for you yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'll try again later, you know? So then like I turned 16, I got a job in another restaurant and then I've always just worked in restaurants. I love, I love food. I love making people happy through food. Um, I, it's funny. I, 
I find, I think that I'm an introvert, but when I am in situations with people and it's, and it's really like happy and jovial, I get a lot from that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I was able to get. That's what I was able to get at work every day. Um, so yeah, I've always, I've always been obsessed with food. The wine thing really just happens. Like that wasn't anything that was planned. I wasn't in a restaurant and I was just like, okay, I'm going to start taking wine certifications and, um, I want to, you know, become a sommelier. Like I had no idea that that was happening until it was happening. Um, mm. you know, I was learning wine because I had to, you know, and, and at Mylena, I was like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. You so know, you were so just I- saying yes to opportunities yeah. and like rising to the occasion each Absolutely. time. Every yeah. single time. Yeah. That's really, but those are always like the fun stories, I think, you know, I mean, I think it's, I like, I love hearing when people fall ass backwards into something and then it ends up being, you know, I was in PR for Gap and Old Navy brand. Like I went to Emory and then I fell ass backwards into food writing through blogging, you yeah. know? So it's just, and, I, and here I am 15 years works. later. <laughs> I don't know how when people like are like, how'd you do it? I'm like, I really don't know. I That's still true. do not know to this day. But um, in your family was, was food a th- like a big thing was, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming for most of us it is, but was wine a big thing? I never taught my parents drink alcohol until maybe I was in college. I, I definitely not before high school, maybe in college. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did, so no, no, I never saw them drink alcohol ever. Um, food, yes. So we're Haitian. So everything happens over a meal. And mm-hmm. when you know, our family gets together, everything happens over a very big meal and the plates are filled and, you know, it's, it's, that, that's how we gather, you know, we eat. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I'm the only person in my family who's as obsessed with food as like, there is no one else as obsessed as me. No one. And can you just as a wine expert talk about the relationship between food and wine and how they really elevate each other? Like people always make fun of me that I'm not the kind of person that wants to have a glass of wine separate from a meal. Like I can't drink wine unless I'm eating food, uh-huh. unless it's champagne. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, go hand in hand, you know, yes. and the second you realize that you go hand in hand, that the meal is heightened, the experience is better. Um, so, and I think the second you actually know what you're drinking, when you start to learn the wines that you enjoy, right? Because you can drink just to drink, but when you're like, I love a nice glass of Syrah, and then you have this beautiful dish in front of you. I mean, it's just, it doesn't really get any better than that, you know, yeah. but even if you're just casually having lunch, you know, if you're in Italy and you just have the red that they serve, you, you know, just a glass of Sangiovese with your pasta and there's nothing to it. You have no idea who the producer and is. The tiny little glass that doesn't totally. even look like a fancy glass, which exactly. are my favorite ways to drink wine, Absolutely. to be quite honest. But yeah. yeah, but it really does just, um, it just makes it, it makes it better. Um, yeah, the two, the two definitely go hand in hand. I'd love to say that I don't drink wine. Um, when I'm not eating, I definitely drink enough wine when I'm not eating. <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time in the store pairing food, pairing wine with food. Like you come in the store and you're, you're like, I'm looking for X. And then we typically ask you about your budget. And then one of the questions that we're always going to ask is like, are you eating? What are you eating with this? Um, and people are just like, oh, okay. You know, and then they get really excited. You know, I'm like, no, we're about to change the game for you. We're about to you know, give you something that's really going to elevate that dish, even if it's something as simple as like roasted vegetables and rice, you know, we're going to, we're going to kick it up a notch. So your store is the kind of store where someone can go as a novice mm-hmm. and, and, and feel not only, you know, welcome to ask questions, but that it's a safe space. 
<laughs> to learn. Yeah. People come in and like, my friend told me to come here because I don't know anything and that you guys are going to hook it up and make it feel like we hear it all the time. We what? are referred to people at, for that. Why is, why is there such a relationship between snobbery and wine? Maybe it was the marketing that was for the elite, right? Yeah. And I don't believe that that's true. As you're talking about, if you're in Italy, if you're in France, you know, you go to some boulanger and the guy like made his like cask, you know, Beaujolais for the year, you know, get that bottle even without the label, you know, it's not an elite thing. Why do you think that it became that? Um, I mean, I would say globally, no? Yeah, globally, for sure. Um, for sure. And, you know, I think if you speak on just like the US, it's, it's because it was opportunity. Who, who was able to have wine on their table? generation after generation. It was a specific person, right? And and it did mean wealth. Um, whether it was expensive or not at the time, because wine wasn't really that expensive back then, you know, but it was it was always a luxury item. I mean, look at paintings from, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. The king had a goblet of wine. You know, it's always just been represented that way. Um I mean that's that's a whole other deep dive of like, you know, why some people were had the opportunity to have alcohol or have wine and why some others don't. But I think Right now in the U.S., it is it is considered a luxury item, whether it's expensive or not. Um, yeah, and it's just so interesting because people will choose. I mean, what's a six pack of Corona cost? Twelve ninety nine. Yeah, you could buy you could buy like some cheap whatever macon, you know, and it's it would approachable. Beer yes. is approachable. Wine, wine is not. It's in another language. It's it's people don't understand it. People think it's strong. That it's dry. It's it's different to a lot of people when they when they try it for the first time. Um, it's it's served in a fancy glass, right? A beer you just you just drink it, right? You just drink it out of the can, you drink it out of the bottle. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules. Wine, there's a second step. You have to have a a device to even get into the bottle, right? <laughs> and then you have to have a nice glass to pour it in. Whether you, I, I mean, I drink wine and anything, right? But yes. a lot of people think you have to pull out the nice glass to drink wine. Um, I, I, you know, it's. It exists. the The whole snobbery behind it exists, but that's going away. It's disappearing. It's not. I mean, it's it's never going to go away. But it's wine has is way more approachable than it ever has been in any country, like any country. Um, I mean, restaurants when they open restaurants, I mean they they dedicate a lot of time to creating beautiful wine lists. You know, it's like part of part of the. I don't know. We'll say we'll say that the core of the restaurant, like a restaurant wants to be a place that is known for having a good wine list. Um, a lot of restaurants, not just like fine dining restaurants, just, just casual restaurants, you know, look at little bear I and mean, they have an incredible mm -hmm. list and it's a small restaurant with a beautiful menu. and approachable. And I feel like a lot of people are trying to make it more cost friendly as well. Like at least yeah. the newer spots that are opening, they're trying to have like good yeah. options, but I do think that's about education um and access and availability which you seem to be providing with three parks i mean you yeah. do you do are you doing wine events now with covid i'm not sure what your status is um so we're doing smaller private events i mean the store is pretty small um it's you know under 800 square feet so to do our tastings <laughs> it's kind of insane that we see this but we get like 50 people inside of this like tiny space and we all be like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. very european very yeah. european <laughs> for years um it is not covid friendly so, um, last year we uh started our tastings back but we did them outside which was cool because it gave like a very like 
also kind of very European, but like an outdoor kind of feel. Uh, we have tables. Um, we had uh, the person conducting the tasting kind of standing at a, a setup so people could just get up casually, get more wine, sit back down um or just kind of stand in the street like it was it was fun um so we're gonna start that back again in the spring um but we do private tastings in the store now so that's the only thing that we do inside so like people it, can like book like like an event with their friends or whatever and and what is it like with food or is it just with wine so we get really large meat and cheese platters from um like a big charcuterie platter from uh spotted trotter okay um, so they've been our they've been our partner since the beginning with mm -hmm. our and that just comes with the with the event and mm -hmm. then you know and i use different chefs to help out with other foods so um julie kessler's done the last she's done the last few of our tastings with stop think chew i love um, her. i know she's the best <laughs> she did my birthday this year i like how oh, to do these you. little like charcuterie boxes that were uh -huh. like really covid friendly yeah. she did these really great vegan ones too for my yeah, Hindu she does. yes exactly yes. we've been doing a lot of those yes. amazing I, I still need to go to her new spot i have not been physically and I used to like have her catering. I saw it, but like that soba bowl she does. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, can't, I can't stop going to day with you. Like it's like, I, I'm, I'm happy gonna, for her. She's a really talented mm -hmm. chef and businesswoman and just nice human. Yeah. She was on the, she was on the podcast last season, but, okay. um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, just with, you know, your store, are there any, um, is there anything you would like to promote or plug with your store? um so our tastings are starting soon uh we do have an incredible wine club um i think you know we have it's it's growing it's pretty big we have um you know well over i think we're probably like maybe 150 members we have a pretty big wine club we have two wine clubs well we have three wine clubs <laughs> <laughs> so what is a wine club like you uh -huh. like subscribe and mm -hmm. so you get discounts month, yeah so each month you can get a four bottle pack or six bottle pack mm -hmm. um and it's uh, $60 or $90 and you pick up monthly and you can just be an auto subscriber. So you just pick up once a month. Um, we also have a natural wine club. Um, and that what, you know, we became a store for people that also wanted to try these minimal intervention natural wines. Um, so we we're like, let's do a wine club with it. Uh, so we have a three bottle wine club pack called Vero. Uh, Vero in Italy means um, like true, um, pure <laughs> um, so that's our natural wine club and then we have a rosé wine club a seasonal rosé wine club so that comes out every summer natural mm -hmm. wines are so popular right now it's the it's the thing and it's weird i didn't again another thing i didn't realize i was doing i just wanted to make sure i was just providing a really good product and the next year they're like oh my god you guys are the natural wine store i'm like what has your business like how has your business fared with COVID? i'm curious we've done well um it's been really hard you have to say really creative um you know when the pandemic hit it was boss of the wall we were all boss of the wall like it was non-stop um we actually even had to change our hours like we we closed two hours early every day because i'm like we can't we cannot work ourselves this hard um day in day out we closed on sundays too so we closed a whole day and cut our hours short and our sales were still high, like higher than they've ever been. Um, and and the delivery had to help with that when they like allowed us to deliver alcohol or no? I mean, you would think um, the delivery happened well after the, the peak of the pandemic, right? So that that peak probably happened for about four months. And then eventually people were like, okay, you know, restaurants started opening again. People started leaving the house. People started traveling. So sales started to go back to 
normal, you know, pretty much back to normal. Um, and then I would say maybe four months later, that's when delivery happened. I think delivery happened October, October, 2020. Yeah. October, 2020. Um, but people like to leave the house. <laughs> um, yes. yeah. So when this last surge of COVID hit, when, um, you know, like last December, when every single person had COVID, mm -hmm. delivery was spiking because mm -hmm. you couldn't leave. But yeah, no, for the most part, people, I think just like a lot of people work from home and any opportunity they can get to, to leave the house or, you know, sayonara from the kids for 10 minutes. Like, <laughs> okay, go to know? the wine like, store. Go to the wine shop. See you later. <laughs> you know? so, and it's quick. If you order online, you're just running in and running out. So it's not like it, it doesn't have to be a whole experience. People still call their orders in in advance. Um, so they'll, they'll call the wine line and place, place an order and come pick it up and pay. But if you do need delivery, Three Parks does offer that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And for our wine club, too, which is great. So if you live, you know, we have wine club members that live in Buckhead or live in Midtown, and it gets tricky coming to the east side um, with the traffic now. So, yeah, we have, we have, you can deliver your wine club to you anywhere <laughs> in the city of Atlanta. We got you covered. Got you covered. So one thing I always ask people, and normally I have a lot of chefs and stuff on, but I do think it's interesting to ask a wine person. So if you had to choose a meal yep. that you would eat, it's Groundhog Day, you're eating the same meal every day, and you're on a desert island, it's the only thing that you can eat, like set it up, what is it? And you're Haitian, is there like some griot? <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> I'm like, maybe it's my childhood paella. <laughs> maybe it's a paella. Yeah. Every, like, what are you every, drinking? What are you drinking? What are you eating? So I would definitely have, it would be sparkling wine 100%. So it doesn't have to be true champagne if there's a budget on this desert island, but I do need. No budget. No okay. budget. <laughs> yeah. But I, I must have sparkling wine. Okay. Um, so, um, and so variations of sparkling wines, I guess. Um, but yeah, if it can be true champagne, then I'll take true champagne all day, every day. Mm -hmm. um, water. I drink a gallon of water a day. So there must be water. There gotta must hydrate, be. Gotta hydrate. Gotta hydrate. And then what would I eat? So I would say um, if I could have a basket of things, I would have um, fresh bread, fresh baked bread. Um, with really, really, really good butter and sea salt. Um, that is a very important item to my, uh, to my diet. <laughs> um, what else would I also eat all the time? Oh, maybe like, I mean, paella would definitely be there for sure. Um, some kind of like, I mean, I don't know how hot it gets or how cold it's going to get on this <laughs> island, but I could handle like, like a cassoulet of some sort. <laughs> Love yeah. it. It's just party and so yes. good. And maybe that's because it's cold now and that's mm -hmm. what I've been eating. And like, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I had, yeah. So we're going definite French. We're going definite classic French. French, yeah, it'd be French or, or my seafood paella. Okay. Because then I can get like my shrimp, you know, like my mussels are in there. Like I get a little bit of everything in it. Um, but yeah, I guess so. Right, I'm like bread, cassoulet, yeah, champagne. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's, and then you could just have beans some days and, and then leave the duck leg the days you don't feel like it. Well, um, is there anything aside from the tastings you want to like just like give like reader uh, listeners rather your spiel and like how to find you yeah. on social where you're at in particular? Yeah. Um, so one thing I do want to mention, um, I am part of a really incredible uh, incredible women's organization. Uh, called Let's Talk. 
Um, and we are, let's talk Atlanta. So we have an Atlanta chapter. I think there's probably, I don't know, maybe 18 or 20 chapters right now, um, all over the U S. Um, and, um, it was created by this woman named Rohini. She is in, insanely talented and um, she is a force to be reckoned with. And she has given, um, well, she hasn't done it, but you know, she has created this platform for, for women to, um, women entrepreneurs and hospitality to do, we get um, sponsorships, we have huge events, we, um, you know, we can create a festival and actually make all of the money off of it rather than, you know, someone selling us a table and, you know, acting like they're doing us a favor to be out there as marketing, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we have our big um, International Women's Day event on March 8th. Um, so last year we did um, a picnic, uh, they like take it to go and then we, we did a big uh, Zoom. And then, um, and I think it was actually, what's her name? Lagaya. Um, mm -hmm. she, uh, she did our, she was our moderator for that. And, uh, we did a really fun line picnic and white event at Bloodway Cafe. That was fun. We had a ton of people that did that. Uh, but it's a great organization. I'd love for everyone to follow. Let's talk Atlanta. Let's talk in. Let's talk Atlanta. Uh, Julia Kessler's in it. Pretty much any, we have recruited all the badass, like, you know, entrepreneur. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Deborah Brantrees. Um, Rosa Thorner and, um, and, and Quatrano, they are the three, like our three, uh, I don't know what they call them, like our three main people, mm -hmm. um, but it's a great organization. Um, but yeah, you can find me at, uh, three parks wine, of course, um, on Twitter and, um, Instagram. I mostly use Instagram. Uh, I try not to tweet because you just get yourself in trouble tweeting. Oh my God. It just and, like, it fills me with anxiety every time I go. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I have like 9,000 followers on there and I'm like, I'm sorry. I just, this, I like just to post pictures of food. <laughs> That's all it is now. Just like bottles of wine pictures. Like I literally can't tweet. Anymore, but it was um, and then Sarah Pierre one. Um, so Sarah Pierre one is my personal Instagram and then Sarah food and wine is my Twitter account, which again, I try not to use because it just gets me in trouble. Um, <laughs> but I'm all over the city. Um, I'm usually, you know, sitting at somebody's bar, having a really great meal and a nice glass of wine or a cocktail. Um, I sit on really uh, incredible boards and organizations uh, throughout um, throughout the city. So I'm, I try to be as, as involved and active in the community as I can. Um, and you've been published, no? Like in Food 52 or? Were yeah, you so I was writing, I was writing for Drinks 52. Yeah, I've been in, I mean, I've been in a number of, of publications. Um, you know, I was on CNN and Thrillist, um, Eater, a lot of press. Um, and you know, that's just because we're just humble, just normal people, just having a good time trying to sell wine. We're not. But I think because people also really enjoy you coming there. And I think like, it's like, like it's not a stuffy space, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so kudos that you're creating <laughs> a safe space for learning because listen, uh, like we forget like that not everyone's so inside baseball and like understands all of these terms and there should be no shame in wanting to learn. Right. Well, it's hard. It is hard. Hard. Just even yes. for us, you know, we're, we're actively learning every single day. Um, it's really hard. And then we, we, we really pride ourselves in having like wines that are approachable. Like you're not going to come in the store and it's just like $75 bottles everywhere. You know, mm -hmm. we have, we have a really good range starting at 10 bucks, you yes. know, granted it gets to the hundreds, but 
but yeah, we have wine for, for everyone. There's no, no one's going to walk out of the door empty handed. Nobody, trust me, ever. Yeah, we're going to make you feel good. We're going to make you get a bunch of wine and then <laughs> go tell your friends and then your friends are going to come see us. Yes. Um, we have cool merch. I got hoodies coming. Um, I got our, we have t-shirts getting reprinted. So we have like lots of fun merchandise. And gift certificates, I'm sure, if people just want to buy those. Yeah, gift certificates, yes. wine club certificates. People pre-purchase wine club for people. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's just, it's great. <laughs> well, I need to come down again, but um, I, I do appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. And I, it was really lovely to speak with you and meet you face to face. Yeah, thank you. This was great. I, I I love doing this. I love sharing my story. And thank you for, thank you for noticing me. And <laughs> You're amazing. Atlanta loves you. And we hope you stick around for a long time. Oh yeah, I'm not going anywhere. There is multiple, <laughs> multiple wine shops in the very near future and far future. I got Good. lots of lots of things planned so good i can't wait let us know if you want to give me the scoop just let me (laughs) we're not allowed to announce yet but 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 when you are around you know just it is coming very soon okay good Yes. Good. Good. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Have a great week. That's this week's episode. Thank you to Sarah for sharing her story. And thank you for listening. If you want to keep up with me, you can follow me as Jennifer Zeman and the food that binds on Instagram and Twitter. I'm more active on Instagram. If you want to keep up with where I'm eating and what I'm cooking. Next week, I'm joined by Sarah O'Brien, the brains, heart and talent behind Little Tart Bakery and Big Softy in Atlanta. And this has been The Food That Binds with Jennifer Zeman. Thanks for listening.